Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thanks for being here. As ever, we are almost at the end of week one of the final interlull of 2018. Hurrah! It feels to me, and I know it isn't the case, but it feels to me like we've had more interlulls than usual. But no, it's been three. This will be the third one since the season began, which I think is fairly normal. There was one at the start of September. There was one at the start of October, and now one mid-November. So yeah, this is the third one, but still, it's six weeks. That is a fair chunk of time. Like if someone said to you, go, for, go away on holidays for six weeks, you think that's ages. But the six weeks would go by in like in a flash, in an instant, because you'd be having a good time, wouldn't you? You'd be doing something you like doing in a place you wanted to be, whether it was up a mountain, in a cave, on a beach, in a hammock, drinking pina coladas. Look, we all have different wants and needs when it comes to our holidays, but the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for here? The common denominator is that we enjoy them, therefore the time goes quicker. But six weeks without Arsenal, that feels like a lot longer. Like uh, when you spend half an hour playing a video game, the half an hour goes, flies by. But if you've got to spend half an hour in the dentist chair, well, that doesn't fly by as much, does it? It's one of those like Friday afternoon when you're in school and the clock is on the wall and you look up and it's five past three and school's out at four o'clock and an hour later you look at the clock and it's five and a half minutes past three. It's that kind of thing. That's what the interlulls are like. The football, the modern football equivalent of all that. But we do have a podcast for you at least to help uh, fill the gap that Arsenal have left behind. In a few minutes time, I'm going to be talking to David Ornstein because he's uh, done a very interesting story this week about Reese Nelson, who, of course, is tearing it up on loan in uh, the Bundesliga with Hoffenheim, scored six goals so far this season, and David went over there to talk to him and Jaden Sancho, his best friend, who, of course, moved from Manchester City to Borussia Dortmund on loan and then made that deal permanent, and he, too, is having a great time in Germany. So is there something going on with young English players going abroad? I'm going to chat to David about that and uh, a few other bits and pieces besides. Before we get on to that, though, uh, I think we should just take a moment and thank the owners of Premier League football clubs for... For making sure that Richard Scudamore has a nice Christmas. A nice Christmas. Because he was leaving his job of executive chairman of the Premier League, being replaced by a lady, Susanna Dinage, who has come from Discovery, the Discovery Group. She was in charge of the Animal Planet channel, the TV channel. I think there might be a discussion to be had there about that appointment. 
Maybe it's just me, but I think the idea of the Premier League appointing somebody who comes not from a football background, but from a broadcasting background is really interesting. Maybe that tells us what they think about their product, if you like. And that's what the Premier League is, isn't it? It is a product. And what has driven that product, what has driven the value of that product and the worth of that product more than anything else are the TV deals. So I think it's really quite interesting that they brought somebody in with a, a real background and experience in broadcasting and TV and everything else, and not somebody who, who comes from a football background, a football administration background, somebody who is, who is looking at football, the sport. This is somebody who's coming in to look at how football can be broadcast into more homes, how they can sell the rights for even uh, more than they've sold them in the last number of years. You might remember when the last deal came in, it was slightly down on the previous deal. They've been going up and up and up and up, but now maybe we've hit the top of the curve. What should we do? Should we think about football, the game? Maybe this is a reaction to the arch capitalism that exists within not just football, but all sport these days. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe the idea should be to to give people something back, a bit of what they loved about the game, about what made them fall in love with the game. Maybe we should concentrate on that. Or maybe we should get somebody from one of the biggest broadcasting platforms in the world to see if they can find a way of selling rights for even more than we sold them before. Maybe that's just me being, you know, a little bit too cynical. Because what are we... Fans, if not the lifeblood of the game, the wallet of the game, the purse of the game, the bank of the game, the Fort Knox of the game. We are the gold which fuels everything else, the cows which are milked season after season, whether it's season tickets or TV subscriptions or merchandise and everything else. Without us, the game is nothing, but they know they've got a captive audience and they know they can sell us more. More choice. That's what you guys need. More choice. It's not fair that just one broadcaster has the rights. More choice. That's what you need. You need it. Okay, more choice means more subscriptions. But you're better for it because you've got the choice of having to pay more for what you got for one price the last time. But look, no, we have the best interests of football and football fans at heart. Of course we do. We wouldn't just rapaciously squeeze every last penny out of you? No, we wouldn't do that. It's why I I have to say I'm I'm a little bit surprised at some of the reaction that I've seen to this £5 million bonus that football clubs, Premier League clubs, were asked to pay to Richard Scudamore, the outgoing executive chairman of the Premier League. He was leaving his post. Susanna Dinage was coming in at the start of the year. And Bruce Buck, Chelsea chairman, wrote to all the Premier League owners and said, you know what, we should have a little whip around here for, for old Dickie. He's done a lot for us. He's made us richer. How about you give him a quarter of a million pounds each and we can send him on his way because he has made so much for us. He has done so much for our investments in these football clubs that we care about so, so, so much. And what better way for us to show our appreciation of that than to give him five million pounds. Five million pounds. Five million pounds. 
This is a guy who earned two and a half million pounds last year. His basic salary was nine hundred thousand pounds a year, but with bonuses, it all came up to two and a half million pounds a year after tax. That's around twenty four thousand pounds per week. So you know, clearly, clearly, he needs a bit of a, a helping hand here. He's only had this job for nineteen years. I know his salary has probably increased over the course of that 19 years, but this is what happened. So they ask all the Premier League uh, clubs to to give £250,000. Fans rightly are outraged, saying, you know what? Each club could do an awful lot more with that money than give it to a millionaire. £250,000, maybe it's not a huge amount of money in the grand scheme of things when you uh, take into account footballers' wages and what football clubs turn over and how much money they get, but still, think what you could do with £250,000. You know what you see now all the time? You see uh, groups of fans getting together before games and saying, look, if you're coming to the game, there's a food bank on the way. Maybe you could donate some food because there are people who have so little that they need food banks to survive, to feed themselves and their kids and their families. I mean, could £250,000 from each football club contribute to that in some way? How many tickets would it subsidize for, for young fans? How much could you give to community projects? How much could you give to grassroots football to invest in the game? As somebody very cleverly pointed out on Arsblog News in the comments, you know, if they really wanted to honor the work that he did, why didn't they set up a foundation with that five million pounds? As he said, the Scudamore School of Sports statue of the man outside, like like Zoolander, the Richard Scudamore School for kids who can't play football good but want to do football good too. You know, think about what what you could do with that £5 million. And so the Premier League then release a statement and tell us that Scudamore has been kept on uh, for three years on a consultancy basis. And this £5 million that the Premier League clubs voted for is going to be paid over the duration of that three years while he remains uh, in situ as a consultant. A consultant. So we're to believe that this was the plan and it isn't just a way to kind of sugarcoat what is one of the most appallingly ill-judged moves that the Premier League have ever made, right? Richard Scudamore was paid a basic salary of £900,000 a year. That was his basic salary for doing all the work as the executive chairman of the Premier League. And we're supposed to buy a story which tells us that he's going to be paid... What, £1,666,666,666 a year for some, like, part-time consultancy? Get the fuck. These cunts really think that we are stupid. They think we're stupid idiots who will believe anything. And going back to why I was saying I was a little bit surprised by it, as more and more shit like this happens in football, where... It will require uh, collective action from fans that that puts aside rivalry and everything else for the benefit of the game. And people say, well, he did a great job. Why shouldn't he get a five million pound payoff? Yeah, he did a great job. He was really fucking well paid for it as well. Really well paid. He got a bonus of twi- uh, double his salary and a bit more. Well done to you. You did a very good job. Here's your salary again and another half a, a quarter of a million pounds on top of that. That's his reward for doing a, what was seen to be a very good job. And the, oh, well, it's just business. This is what happens. 
we should just accept it kind of thing. I don't think we should. I don't think we should. I think we should say if we're fucking pissed off about it or outraged about it or we feel like it's not right. Why shouldn't we say that? Because the more you go on and the more you shrug your shoulders at things, the more they do it and the more they get away with it. And ultimately, who's paying? Who the fuck is paying for this? Fans are paying. You're paying, I'm paying, they're paying, whether you're Arsenal, whether you're Liverpool, whether you're Tottenham, whether you're Man United, whatever. Stan Kroenke didn't dip into his own pockets, did he? Take out 250000 and say, thanks, old Dicky Scudamore. You made me richer than I was. Here's a token of my appreciation. Now, clubs will pay for it. The money that you and I put into our club and other fans put into their clubs comes out when it could do a lot more and goes into the pockets of a rich man. Millionaires making another millionaire even more wealthy. And it's fucking bollocks. I don't know what we can do to stop it, but unless we actually think about it and express some measure of unhappiness at it, Nothing will ever change. And he should be absolutely embarrassed at taking that money. He should be embarrassed. He won't be, of course, but he should be. Daniel Levy, the, uh, the Tottenham chairman, said, we're all very supportive. He has unique knowledge and experience. All the clubs are behind it. Yeah, I can imagine you'd be behind it. This is a guy who pays himself more than any player at Tottenham. Still can't get a stadium built in time. But I guess that's a separate issue. It's hard not to be cynical, isn't it? We pay through the nose to watch football. Whether it's your season ticket, whether it's your TV subscription, they take us for every single penny they can get. And we all understand it. We all know why. We all buy into it. Until such time as there comes a breaking point for people. And there will, and there have been. I've seen it down the years. People who have just said, nah, no, not, not doing it anymore. Not paying those subscriptions. Not paying those season ticket prices. And they walk away. And they leave something behind that they love because they've been pushed too far. And everyone has their own breaking point, I guess. Everyone has their own line in the sand. But shit like this. pushes you ever closer to it, I think. Anyway, you might disagree. You might think it's a fair reward for the work that he's done over the last 19 years. That's a drop in the ocean. That if football clubs wanted to do more about ticket prices and community projects and grassroots football and all that, they could do it if they wanted anyway, which is true. It's true. But every now and again, you're reminded of what really drives the people who are in charge of a game that we all love and devote a lot of our time to, a lot of our lives to, and it just sticks in the crawl a little bit. So look, let's, uh, let's leave that behind and move on.
So, joining me now on the Arsecast, somebody who we normally have on around transfer window time, but David Ornstein's knowledge of Arsenal goes a lot further than just transfers, and this week, uh, David, welcome back, by the way, sorry. Thanks, Andrew, a pleasure as always. (laughs) But (laughs) this week you've been talking to two young English footballers who are making headlines in Germany because uh, of the performances they're they're putting in one Jaden Sancho and the other who will be of great interest to Arsenal fans of course is Reese Nelson who's on loan at Hoffenheim for the season uh, maybe not the entire season we'll see uh, what happens there and I might ask you about that in a little bit yeah. but it's very interesting isn't it to see two young English players go away on loan to a big league um, obviously, Sancho is not on loan anymore at Dortmund, but Reese Nelson is on loan at Hoffenheim. Uh, and often we associate these loans with a kind of, well, we don't know quite what to do with them at this stage in their development. So we'll throw them out there, see if they can go to a Dutch club or a French club and, and maybe play a few games and and, uh, and man up a bit, as it were, mature as players. But what Reese Nelson is doing is really something else. It really is, yeah. And if we look at both of them, it's a a fascinating development that we're seeing um, in English football at the moment. Uh, The national teams had fantastic success um, in the age group competitions in 2017. And that brought um, the issue of playing time ever sharper into the focus of all of us really um and it wasn't lost on them and their representatives and their clubs to be fair as well who want to see them playing just as much as anybody else uh, the problem is that um the stakes seem too high for many clubs and managers to um allow them to learn in in the premier league environment with the pressures that come with trying to win matches and not making mistakes and perhaps uh, that's not so pressing an issue overseas there had always been this um, idea around the travel shy um, British players who were in a comfort zone and didn't want to be pulled out of it. But mm. after those age group successes, I think there was uh, a greater appreciation of of the possibility and of going abroad and and the desire for clubs overseas to take English talent because in in countries like Germany and the Netherlands. English players are incredibly highly regarded. Spain also, uh, although none, Marcus McGuane from Arsenal aside, have really made the move over to Spain at a young age. Um, And allied to that was an interest clearly from the representatives of these players. And I know from from a while back, actually, the representative of Reese Nelson and and Jaden Sancho, who also represents Tuba Akpom, formerly of Arsenal, Mm. uh, they were talking to Borussia Dortmund a few years ago about taking Akpom over there. Um, The deal wasn't quite right for them at the time. They decided it would be better staying at Arsenal. And I think with hindsight... Uh, they saw that that was the wrong decision. He didn't get any game time at Arsenal, a bit of injuries, a bit of loan deals, and then has gone off to Pauk Salonika now. Um, and they learned from that sort of, you could call it a mistake or, 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 or that um, occurrence and yeah. um, and decided to um, uh, um, make the leap this time round. And it's paid off spectacularly, so much so that I think many are now going to, or I know many other agencies and agents are, uh, of English and British players are looking at the example of, of Sancho and Nelson in particular. There are other players, of course, as well. Reese Oxford have been at Gladback. There is another boy at Gladback, 
um, now who is not playing so much in the first team, but he's he's fluent in German and he's very highly regarded there. Uh, there are a couple of there are Chelsea uh, loanies in other countries. A former Arsenal player Dan Crowley in the Netherlands. Um, and I'm trying to think if there are any well, more that I've heard of who Chris, are highly rated. But Chris Willock, of course, was a young Arsenal player. Chris, went off to yeah, Benfica B Chris, and. Yeah, that's right. Although he he doesn't seem to have have taken off like some of some of the others, but um, certainly I know that that um, agents are very conscious of this now, and uh, they're making moves like never before and holding talks to potentially bring their clients over, having seen what it's done for in particular these two. Uh, and so, uh, when I was talking to the German football expert, who you know well, Raphael Honigstein, over in uh, Dortmund last week, it was when we went to see the boys. Um, he was telling me that he thinks Jaden Sancho is a game changer because he, of course, has made the permanent move. He did so over a year ago now, um, and pretty much everything has gone well. It couldn't really be going better at the moment, you know. And the same weekend that his contemporary from Man City, Phil Foden, got a couple of uh, consolation minutes, really, at the end of the Manchester derby. He was playing 90 minutes and starring with a hand in two goals for Borussia Dortmund against Bayern Munich in De Classica and, and making more highlights reels all over the internet and going viral. It was perfect timing for us to speak to him, of course. And then Reese Nelson, who has been more prolific from a goal-scoring sense, a much smaller club in Hoffenheim, less pressure than Sancho will be feeling, and he's only on loan. Uh, so of course he will be going back to Arsenal all being well Um, so it's a very different situation but he is absolutely revelling and from a few people I speak to within football coaches and people who know the youth scene very well they say he's every bit as good as Jadon Sancho some people feel potentially even better Uh, slightly different of course um, even though they can occupy the same position I think maybe uh, Nelson has a little bit more variety in his game and um, and Sancho's perhaps a little bit more devastating. But yeah, so Reese Nelson's loving it over there, genuinely, and, and I'm more than happy to tell you much more about my sure. visit over there. Um, and and so far, so good for both of them. It, it really could be a, um, a step change for English football. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, curious as to what your thoughts are on why this is happening, because, as you said, the English players have tended to be a bit insular and you can understand why, you know, if you're at a big club like Arsenal, uh, you're well paid as a young player. You may not play as much, but comparatively to what that young player might earn in Germany or Spain, France, uh, it's it's considerably more. Is there perhaps a realization that in order to make the most of a football career, which is short, but which it's, I suppose it's better to have a long career with uh, a measure of success and development than be a very highly thought of youngster who never quite makes the grade because he doesn't play enough in his formative years. Is that playing a part in this decision making? Uh, I mean, you could answer perhaps in terms of, in general terms, but also when it comes to Reese Nelson, was the fact that Jaden Sancho was over there was that a reason why he thought it would be a good idea to go there or? Or is there something else driving that decision? Uh, a bit of both. Definitely, uh, Sancho was an influence on Nelson. They're best friends. They have uh, they grew up together in Southwark. They played together at a very young age. 
they've always remained close. Um, Nelson was telling me about the WhatsApp group that uh, he's on with uh, with Jaden Sancho and some of their other friends from back home. They don't get to see each other so much in Germany, but when they have two days off, they fly back to the UK together and they're back home uh, with all their friends uh, like the old days. And um, uh, Reese Nelson was very clear that it was Sancho for him who was the trendsetter. And uh, he decided that gave him the confidence to come over. And now many English players who he knows, because of course these boys have come up through the England ranks. So they know boys from many other clubs uh, at, this, at a similar yeah. age to them. They're all asking Reese Nelson, and I'm sure it's the same for Jaden Sancho, what's it like out in Germany? What's the Bundesliga like? And of course, they're saying wonderful things back because they're, they're having such a great time. Uh, and they really are having a great time. They're not, they don't appear to be homesick to me. Uh, Reese Nelson has his, his mum, uh, brother and sister, I think, in, in an apartment with him in Heidelberg, which is about 35 minutes drive from uh, Hoffenheim. It's a very famous university city. It's gorgeous, really. And there's lots of restaurants, shops, amenities. Anyone would uh, have, a, have a good time there, whatever age, really. And um, Jaden Sancho's in an apartment with his uh, dad. He's got a chef. Uh, that Dortmund recommended it. You should the, the national team. Oh, I think we'd all like that at eighteen Absolutely, years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so, so for, for Reese Nelson, there was definitely a precedent there, a role model. And if we look further back, um, uh, we're going back to the late nineteen seventies when it was the likes of Kevin Keegan, Tony Woodcock, and, and a few others who who went to Germany. But they were very much the finished article. They were already well. Keegan's case, he was already a star name when he went to Hamburg, um, and there was nobody in between that and that shows the importance of role models they didn't none of the english players who as we know with the advent of the premier league and the influx of so much money um we had this argument that uh, english players have have got a comfort zone they're getting too much too soon they're not cleaning the boots anymore it's a very comfortable life and that, that's the truth so um they would get they were earning more than they could ever imagine mm. um and although they weren't getting first team opportunities for many of them it didn't really matter and they had no evidence that going abroad would make things even better let alone the fact that they would earn less money if if the overseas clubs were playing paying them it, yeah. it's a pretty daunting prospect um for for anybody i would imagine but when somebody breaks that mold, like Sancho has done, then um, clearly it's going to encourage others to come. If you look at the statistics as well, I think I think that's a, a really key factor here. Um, this week, there were 61 English qualified starters in the Premier League, 27.7%. And that the average for the season now stands at 29.8%, which is down from, I think, uh, 30 three percent roughly right at this uh, in the 2017 to 18 season the all-time low is is just a couple of percent lower so um and that was from a couple of years previously in the top six clubs it's even lower 21.2 percent of players uh, of english qualified uh, players were starting for the top six clubs last weekend so it's a pretty bleak picture i think if you look at the minutes played by players aged 21 or under in the Premier League so far this season, it's just 5.3%. And I think the penny is now finally dropping. That combination of foreign leagues and clubs seeing how good the English players are, 
via the tournament and uh, success and their scouting uh, of club football. Um, They're playing much more regularly in the sort of youth champions league or whatever it's called now. So they're getting exposure to these other clubs and that, that key thing, the opportunity. Uh, When I said to you at the start of this answer that it's a bit of both, there may be something else in this as well. There may be um, uh, representatives and agents who are, who are, sensing uh, new markets and new money for their clients and, sure. and playing the long game here knowing that a stop in Germany and getting 90 minutes of football or, or being able to score goals in the case of Reese Nelson uh, in the Bundesliga and in the Champions League is going to significantly increase uh, the players' value coming back to the Premier League potentially if they just see it as a stepping stone or even to in the case of Nelson, uh, in the case of Sancho, perhaps even bigger things, some of yeah. the very biggest clubs in in Europe, um, which is is great for those their, them and their representatives from a career point of view and also a financial point of view. Yeah, I suppose it's interesting, isn't it, that this is coming at a time when uh, we're not quite sure what what it's going to be like for young. English players, if they want to go abroad, if they want to go to Europe in the future, you know, until um, or up until now, it's still possible to travel and work and live in the 27 member states of the European Union with everything the way it is right now. We don't know if that's going to be the case, if that's going to be something that they'll mm-hmm. enjoy in the future, which is which would obviously be uh, a terrible thing, I think, for those young footballers from England and also for uh, footballers who come from Europe to play in England. So that's a, a different yeah. discussion, though. I just The timing of it is yeah, quite it interesting is, in, in that regard. Yeah, but but when, when it comes to Nelson himself, you know, he scored six goals now in whatever it is, eight games or nine games. Do you think that he uh, has exceeded his own expectations in terms of what he wanted to achieve this season? Because he surely would have liked, uh, you know, thought, I'm going to go, I'm going to play, I'm going to try and make, it, make an impact when I play. But to, to to win games for Hoffenheim, to to score, he came on the other day and scored within 90 seconds of coming on. You know, he's, he's, he's having a huge impact. Um he must be thrilled at the way it's gone for him because when you are targeting a first team place at Arsenal, which is what he says he wants, he wants uh, in, in your piece, you know, he says he wants to come back and be a legend at Arsenal, which is great. And we all want that for him as well. He's not doing his chances any harm at all. Is he by, by making that kind of an impact so soon? Yeah. And without, um, sort of meaning to plug my, uh, my plug away, and, plug um, away <laughs> and video pieces too much. Uh, I would urge people to go, to go and watch and read them because you can see the, uh, in, in his words and, and his, um, facial expression, the sort of enthusiasm and invigoration that he has for what's going on out there. It's absolutely incredible. Surely he didn't expect it to be going, this well, this well, it's a bit of a dream scenario for an 18-year-old boy. Six goals in seven league games, it is actually, and right. um, one assist in the Champions League as well. Coming on, and as you said at the weekend, winning a match for Hoffenheim and um, and being a very popular member of the um, of the dressing room, from what I hear. Um, I've been told that he is uh, from people outside of Hoffenheim who know the club and staff there very well that um, he has impressed Julian Nagelsmann 
incredibly in the way he has always been asking questions, uh, seeking uh, extra work, um, uh, seeking advice on which areas he can improve on and uh, putting that into practice as well. Um, I think the likes of Nagelsmann and, and Lucien Favre at Dortmund, I think they would always sort of err on the side of caution with, when speaking publicly about these guys. They don't want uh, people to get too carried away. They want to keep a lid on the sort of um, um, the hype that's building around them. But Nagelsmann, in the quotes that I've seen recently, ca- can't speak highly enough of Nelson. And, um, and I, I, I don't think that's a... Um, uh, sort of mirage. I think that's true. I think that they're incredibly impressed by him. I don't know what his intentions were in the summer, whether he thought he, um, we didn't really get time to get into the Arsenal side of things, whether he thought he was going to figure in the first team shake up. Um, but one thing that is clear with, with Arsenal now and, and many clubs in the Premier League, they really are trying to target specific clubs and um, be absolutely convinced and this is the same uh, the same applies for those representatives of uh, the representatives of those players really very carefully looking at the clubs that these boys are going to now and not wanting to waste time uh, like you've seen for many players down the years yeah I think back to a couple of Arsenal players like Carl Jenkinson and Cohen Brammel who went together to Birmingham last season and, and didn't play at all I mean it's just a waste of everybody's time and it causes real complications behind the scenes as well these boys um, and these clubs are targeting um, clubs where they will flourish and certainly in the case of Nelson Hoffenheim's perfect for him he is still going to be making mistakes Um, he's still learning but he's now able to do it and this is what he was telling me in a without in his words getting a bollocking without the pressure of the repercussions um and ultimately that's desperately what so many of these players need now Uh, certainly someone like Foden at uh, Manchester City however good the training is there and I'm sure it's incredible you need to be playing matches yeah Uh, Lionel Messi doesn't talk about the years that he spent training at Barcelona because he was (laughs) playing and these boys really need to play and and I mean you know, Reese Nelson only came on for a couple of minutes and, and his goal scoring record, I think, is he's only played like 300 odd minutes and, and scored those six goals. Um, but he is getting on the pitch. As for um, Arsenal's intentions with him, they, they, my understanding is they very much intend for him to stay there until the end of the season. They're not considering um, um, seriously bringing him back. They think it's ideal for his development. Um to stay there until the summer and then come back. Then they're not looking for the short-term fix. And um, I think that's probably pretty wise for Arsenal on the long run. He's an 18-year-old boy who has potentially many years ahead of him Mm. and throwing him straight into the fire mid-season in the Premier League, Europa League, FA Cup, etc., might not be the best thing for him, his development, as, as good as it sounds on paper, because he's scoring goals in, in the Bundesliga and Arsenal look like they could do with a winger. I think Arsenal's plan was to um, uh, that Reese Nelson would come back next summer and take the squad place of, of Danny Welbeck, who, yeah. of course, was, wasn't being offered a, a new contract. Um, what the Welbeck injury does for things now I don't quite know I think there have been some preliminary preliminary um, uh, sort of informal discussions about uh, now offering Welbeck a contract if the there there is certainly a, a will within some sections of the Arsenal hierarchy if the numbers are right and if the deal is right for the club bearing in mind um 
that he'll be out injured for a while. I don't think it's a sentimental thing, but I think they value him very highly at Arsenal. And um, there could be some loyalty on on their part in the thinking of potentially giving him a new deal. However, I don't think that will uh, stunt Nelson's uh, development at all. I think he is very highly regarded at Arsenal as a person and as a football player. There was some suggestions when he joined Hoffenheim that it was permanent. I remember that day, 31st of August, wasn't it? Yeah. And there was a bit of panic that he, it wasn't quite clear whether he had gone permanently or or on loan. And he told me last week that he was laughing at all the social media um, hysteria because he knew it was, it was just on loan. He's an Arsenal fan, Reese Nelson um, from boy, from boyhood. Um, and you know, he is a boy still, and um, and so I think he sees his his long term future there. But of course, and and he's wise enough to tell me in the interview that this is a very short period of time we're talking about. You know, six goals in in seven league games. Um, a lot can happen between now and the end of the season, and especially at this age, it's absolutely critical. Yeah. Um, the the key problem with development in English football for young players is that age six uh, sorry sort of eighteen nineteen and twenty the transition between um, the 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 academy and the first team youth football and senior football and it's something that um, that Germany seems to have noticed and uh, and ironically Germany providing a solution to England's problems um, and so I think everyone's got to be um, uh, keep a lid on their sort of um, their excitement about Reese Nelson, but it, it looks pretty, yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the one thing is, well, a couple of things is that he is away from England, so you know he's not quite as much in the spotlight. I know the media world is smaller, and we're sitting here having spent twenty minutes talking about Reese Nelson, so it's not as if he's not getting any coverage or flying under the radar. But it is slightly uh, distant from the UK media, who do, in fairness, yeah. like, uh, and uh, of course, I don't include you in this, David. Uh, they do mm-hmm. like to um, hype things up when things are going well, and when things don't go quite so well, it goes the other way—the old build them up, knock them down kind of thing, which uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Some publications are well known for, but none that we would um, spend any time working for, of course. Uh, I, uh, the, the, the point that he has signed a new five-year deal with, with the club is very positive as well. Interesting yeah. about the January thing, and quite interesting, I have to say, about the Danny Welbeck situation, because... Uh, I, I'm curious as to why they would offer him or think about offering him a new deal if they weren't until now. I mean, what, what's your... What's your sense about, if you know, uh, maybe you don't, but what's your sense about what Danny Welbeck would like uh, as he heads towards 28 years of age? You know, that's something that people haven't really thought about or spoken about too much. It's like whether Arsenal should offer him a new deal, but not whether Danny Welbeck necessarily wants a new deal at Arsenal with Lacazette there, with Aubameyang there, with Reese Nelson coming through, you know, maybe he does want to go somewhere and spend uh, three or four seasons as the number one man at a, a slightly smaller club. Well, Danny Welbeck is is a great lad. He's a very um, wise boy. He's got good support around him. Uh, he's represented by his two brothers. Uh, they are very sharp and with their head screwed on and all three of them and, and others who may work around them as well are in tune with the reality. Um, and so if um, a contract offer materialises, it, it's really hard to say. We don't know the full extent of his recovery. And um, and as I said, t- to be clear, it, there is a will within some 
um, some sections of, of the Arsenal hierarchy just to discuss the possibility um, without being sentimental um, the possibility of if he's going to make a full recovery uh, and the uh, loyalty that they would like to show to their players um, possibly if if the numbers work for Arsenal, which would clearly be a very different contract offer to what Danny Welbeck might have expected Arsenal to have made if he was fit, yeah. then if if the numbers worked for Arsenal, then it might be possible. Um, from his perspective, um, I think they will say probably say the same thing if the numbers uh, work for us yeah. uh, and the opportunity is going to be there to get some game time once fit and uh, the rehab which we know at Arsenal I'm sure would be would be excellent then um, then it might be doable but they know the business well they've been around for a long time um, and then I don't, I don't think they would be averse to um, starting again somewhere else. Mm. Uh, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't particularly shock yeah. anybody. And he would be a good asset for somebody, provided he can make a full recovery. He's sure. still of a decent age. Um, you know, he's 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 shown this season that um, he can be an asset for a top club, and um, it's very cruel timing for a player who's been yeah. ravaged by injuries over the years. And uh, I. I, I it's too difficult to say now whether it'll be at Arsenal or not. I think, um, yeah, it, it is a bit strange. I think there is slightly more chance now that it will be at Arsenal than before his injury. Right. I think it was definitely heading the way of um, an amicable um, exit, uh, parting of ways. Because, uh, as I said, uh, his his demands um, for if fit and um, and as an England international who's yeah. a goal scoring option. Would have been um, would have been fairly high, and um, Arsenal, I think, would have seen uh, that as probably um, not something that they wanted to be doing with Reese Nelson coming back from Hoffenheim sure. and pushing, and would cost them much less money. And they've got him on a five-year contract already. But in the circumstances of of how popular he is among the squad and uh, what he's been through, then. Uh, a contract on reduced terms may be a possibility. Sure. I'm not. I'm not saying it will be. Okay. Um, and so that, that that's one. That's one to watch. I think the only thing now is just to wish him well. It's a horrible time for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, the the people who will have to make that decision, uh, Unai Emery, I suppose, will have some in, input. But Raul Senyehi is the head of football, and I suppose ultimately football decisions like that, con- contractual decisions like that would have to be sanctioned by him. And you spoke to Raul Senyehi and you also spoke to the new managing director of the club, Vinay Venkatesham, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we saw or we read the, the transcript of that interview and as ever with people like this at Arsenal, they say the right things or they say things that we all want to hear about ambition, about achieving things, about... Uh, taking the club in the right direction, about getting back to where we want to get back to, which is in the Champions League, and and challenging for the for the Premier League again. What what was your sense of the two men when you interviewed them? Perhaps in comparison, I don't want to say uh, necessarily. You know, th- these guys are better than the last guy, but obviously having uh, some dealings with Ivan Gazidis in the past, could you see any or sense any marked difference between? 
between the two? Is the fact that Stan Kroenke and KSE are now the 100% owners, does that change the dynamic at boardroom level in some way now that they don't have the issue of Ali Sharuzmanov and his uh, shareholding uh, sort of sitting there like a, a white elephant? Well, there was a marked difference in the atmosphere at London Colney that day to, to when I was there towards the end of last season for obvious reasons yeah. because Arsenal were winning when I was there and the, the new era and everybody is, is upbeat. There's a great intensity and um, and uh, positive atmosphere around the place where it, whereas it had got pretty um, dark at times last season and, and on many occasions in, in recent years. In terms of um, Vinay and Raul, um, they're full of energy, um, full of smiles and laughter and humor, very easy to chat to, um, and, um, very relaxed. Um, it was, it was, uh, one difference was that we were seeing them, you know, we hadn't seen Ivan Gazidis for quite a long time. Mm. We saw him on the day that Emery was unveiled. We saw him on the day it was announced that, um, Arsene Wenger would be leaving the club and prior to that, we hadn't seen him do any interviews for a long, long time, having done a lot of uh, comparatively a lot uh, compared to his contemporaries uh, at um, many other of the leading clubs sure. in his early years at Arsenal. But Ivan Gazidis uh, was was really scarred by, um, I think, by the criticism he received throughout his tenure. Um, and, you know... There was a period where things looked up around the the signing of the new commercial deal with Puma and the renewing with Emirates, which was a a moment where he, as we all know, said that it, Arsenal were now ready to compete a level with the likes of Bayern Munich and mm. certain phrases like that and catalysts for change later on would come back to haunt him. Um, I, I, th- I think he had had been scarred and felt a little bit hard done by with um, the way he... Gr- gradually took more and more blame for results on and off the pitch. Um, and um, a lot of the opprobrium towards the Americans because they aren't often over in the UK or, or aren't there all the time was directed at the chief executive and he's handsomely remunerated and, and, and I'm sure thick skinned enough to take that. But I think as a human, I think he was, he was probably scarred by it. And that's why we saw him speaking to the, the media far less at the end. And when we did, and you probably noticed it um, <laughs> when I asked him a few questions in the yeah. um, Emory news conference. I think yeah. it was. Uh, he was um, he he sort of retaliated a little bit, and I think that was his way of sort of um, just fighting fighting back a little bit. Sure. Whereas these guys <laughs> uh, uh, at the other end of the spectrum, in in terms of they're just getting started. Uh, Vinay is um, has been at the club for a decade and is really well liked and highly regarded among all staff I've spoken to um, and um, very, very highly rated in what he does. He's only, what, 37 years old? Um, so he, he, he's a youngster for this sort of role, especially at a top club. Um, and I think Arsenal have a really, really good person in him and the, the fans should um, be comforted by that. Um, Raul is a... Um, hardened uh, veteran really of European football uh, he's, a, he's a bit older um, and he came from Barcelona and he was involved with Nike before that, was involved in many of the uh, big transfers at Barcelona such as 
the arrival of Neymar and uh, Luis Suarez, etc. Contract renewals for Lionel Messi. Um, and he deals with, uh, the, you know, he, he moves in circles of European football, like the ECA, uh, around agents, the likes. He can deal with the likes of Jorge Mendes, Kia Jurabchian, etc., so their roles are very different. I think they can work very well together. I really do. Um, I know it's a bit of an unusual setup for English football, but Manchester City have two heads in Soriano and Bagiristain. Um, and um, the way their lines of work are clearly delineated, you know, um, Vinay focusing purely on the sort of uh, manage, uh, management and commercial side of things, whereas Raul was focusing on the football side of things. Um, there's a separation. I did ask them, what happens if you, you, you don't agree on something? Yeah. Uh, and he said, we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. It wasn't particularly reassuring. He did, but then again, at least he was honest. He didn't yeah. duck away from the fact that there will be disagreements and, and, and they'll deal, deal with it like adults. Um, in that management axis, don't forget now you've got Hasfami, who I'm hearing exceptional things about. Um, so hopefully the proof will be in the pudding and we'll see um, Arsenal avoiding. Um, Can I just jump in there to, just to ask yeah. you for a little bit more clarification on the role of Hasfami? Because yeah. he was brought in. Uh, is he a contract negotiator? Is he somebody who just deals with the the legal side of contracts is he somebody who has an input into the contracts that arsenal are offering players or how the contracts are structured what exactly is it that he is doing that that makes him exceptional um and, and sort of an asset to this team beyond somebody who can just draw up a contract yeah i think he's got an all all encompassing role around the contract process so he's very he will very much be invested in um the decision to offer um, players contracts, not based on the footballing side, of course, but based on the financials being very much across the budget on what can and can't be spent and the value um, uh, relative to the age and the profile and the statistics. And that's also where um, Jason Rosenfeld plays a very, very important role. He's, he gets very little media coverage. Uh, I barely ever hear his name mentioned, but he's extremely influential at Arsenal. And Huss is, is um, key in and amongst that as well. The drawing up of contracts, the negotiating of the contracts, the, um, the uh, delivering news and dealing with the agents and, and players themselves on the contractual front. Um, He's said to be very sharp, yeah, on the legal side um, as well. Of course, that's his, his background with Team Sky. Um, I don't think there will be as much, nearly as much procrastination as there was before. <laughs> um, I think they will get things done pretty clinically. Um, well, we've seen that with Ramsey, uh, whether you like it or not. Um, and so I think he, he, he's powerful in the decision-making process, in terms of what they can and can't do and also in the execution of the contracts. I, in terms of the the very minute detail of exactly what he does within that, I, yeah. I, I'm not privy to it. Um, and then, of course, you've got Sven Mislintat, the head of recruitment, who's taken on, um, as we can see, a, a bigger role than just player recruitment because he was one of the um, key men involved in the um, decision to appoint uh, Unai Emery and the interview process for for the new manager. Wow. Um, 
I get the sense from speaking to Arsenal that it's possible, uh, for no, by no means certain, but possible that they could be looking to bring in a technical director. Um, and that will raise very interesting questions if they were to do that, because Sven has sort of taken this more expanded role, it would seem. Um, and what, where would that put Raul Sanlehi as the head of football? Would it be Sanlehi's man? Now he is the man in charge of football. How would everybody work together? Because yeah. Ivan Gazidis put this structure in place and he's now not there to um, see the fruits of his labour, so to speak. Um, uh, he put Vinay and or the, he and the, the American ownership put Vinay and uh, Raul together. Um, I, I, they obviously didn't choose that, but they, they know each other. They have done for a long time uh, through Barcelona and Arsenal and yeah. they get on very well. But, but you know, nobody, um, uh, Ivan put Sven and Raul together on the, on the football side and Arsenal fans will obviously hope they get on and, and we've got no reason to believe they don't. But they, you know, many people in Raul Sanlehi's position like th- their own man working with them. So let, let's see what happens on that front. Right. Um, but I, 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 I've just, I've just, just had a bit of a sense that, that there may be some consideration around a technical director but no, nothing concrete on that so let's see but on your point about the ownership uh, changes um that that will be fascinating to see how that plays out because arsenal's budget is restricted by no champions league football um as we've seen and heard they're very unlikely to spend uh, in january um not Definitely, but certainly the, there's not a great deal of money uh, available. And there wasn't huge amounts, uh, of course, last summer. Um, and the question for the Americans, now that they have sole ownership and none of their um, investment will potentially be um, beneficial uh, to Alicia Usmanov anymore, is will they inject some of their own money um, for the odd signing here or there, if they can be convinced that um, well, that it's worthwhile yeah. and can help Arsenal towards you, I mean, success, you ask them that, and the, the 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 line that they gave, and it's one we've heard before, is that they're committed to this self-sustaining model, so we spend yeah. what we earn, uh, and you know that's that's understandable from a business point of view, but it, it doesn't necessarily tally with the stated ambitions of KSE when they made the mm. offer in the offer document about getting back to to Champions League. And I think we can all accept that you know, money is a very important factor when it comes to football and football success. It's not necessarily the only factor. You can yeah. improve, you can make improvements um, in other ways, of course, which is what Arsenal, I suppose, are hoping with Emery in this this new footballing structure. But it does help. You know, and it all ties in, doesn't yeah. it? That, uh, you know, the, the the football side of things, the business side of things, like it's easier for Raul Sanyehi to achieve things as the head of football if the business side of things uh, brings in more money, but it's easier to bring in more money if we're achieving things on the pitch or back in the Champions League and we, yeah. we're playing blue chip European football rather than the soggy gone off yesterday's chips of the Europa League group stages, for example, mm. you know, so... Even with that line, I mean, did you get any any sense that maybe that might be something that KSE would consider? Well, that that's obviously the um, the sort of company line um, that was was trotted out with that answer. And I think, broadly speaking, that's the that's the plan. Yeah, they're they're working on the basis that that's the plan. However, 
I would suspect that those involved in recruitment at Arsenal on the football side, so you're talking Raul, Sven and certain others, I, I think they will present a case um, to the American owners that uh, if they feel that they can sign a world-class talent, I, I don't know, say in the past that there were the reports linking Arsenal uh, with um, Usman Dembele at Barcelona in the last transfer window. And of course, Arsenal admire him and they have that link from Mislintat um uh to him from that he signed him for for Borussia Dortmund and and I think sold him to Barcelona so um th- if they can convince the ownership and I'm sure that they will will try that a certain player at a certain point in 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 the future is um a viable uh is an is a gettable target yeah but they need an amount of money then I'm sure they'll present that case the answer, I, I have no idea what will come back from America. Some who know the Cronky family who I have spoken to in the past say no chance. You would have seen it with their American teams. We know how they operate. We've seen it with Arsenal. Um, and others say that you never know now that Usmanov's out of the picture and it's just their baby, then then it becomes... a. Obviously, that's logical. Of course, it's a possibility. We've got no evidence this, that will suggest it's possible, but I, th- I think it, there will be a desire from within Arsenal for them to inject some funds. Um, the big question is how that will... Um, how that will sit with financial fair play because Arsenal can't just take money from their ownership without being able to match it in revenue. We just do now, what Man Adidas. City did and, you know, just get somebody yeah. else, make it look like someone else is paying for it and, and you get, get away, away with it. it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, there, there, there's of course that possibility, but, uh, Doing things the Arsenal way in inver- sure. inver- inverted commas would certainly suggest that that won't be a, a course of action. And and uh, Arsenal have got the very serious consideration of financial fair play with a high wage bill, uh, reduced revenues, and um, the Adidas deal will help, of course. And I think their key aim is to get back into the Champions League, and then the spending um, the spending money will will become slightly greater. All right. Well, look, we'll we'll wait and see what happens. It does promise to be interesting to see how it all goes because I think we all think that Unai Emery needs two or three transfer windows to get the right kind of balance in his squad yeah. um, and maybe the role of someone like Sven Mislintat will become ever more important uh, you know yeah. if if spending is if spending is restricted and we've got to bring in more players like Mavropanos and Genduzi than Aubameyang and Lacazette mm. That might be a way of of getting around it, but uh, anyway, well, look. The, go on. There, there was there, there was um, uh, they're very proud at Arsenal of the Guendouzi signing, a classic Mislanta acquisition, and I think his his role is is potentially going to be key. Of course, he's got a history of it in his career now of unearthing talents, and and yeah. um, I, I think that will be a, a key focus for for him and the club, and also the youngsters coming through seem of of real high quality at Arsenal now. I actually mentioned I, I asked Reese Nelson um, about the emerging talent, and I mentioned you know that um, Willock has been around the first team squad as well, and several others coming through. But I asked him if he could pinpoint. Um, I think there's a, sh- a forward, uh, John Jules and, and Amici as well, Xavier Amici. Um, and he said, yeah, very, very good players. But the one who is top, which is which is a real phrase I hear in football now when yeah. people want to explain that someone is the real deal. The one who's top, he said, is Bukayo Saka. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, 
he was at, at pains to point out to me that this boy is a different class. Very young, of course, playing above his age group at the minute. And again, we shouldn't heap too much expectation on him, but um, I'm hearing extremely encouraging things about him. So perhaps those those signings of, of left field and also a bit of uh, youth development will become Arsenal's way once again, of course, yeah. as it was some time ago under under Monsieur Wenger. Sure was, sure was. And of course, we, we didn't mention Eddie Nketiah and Emil Smith-Rowe oh, yeah. and Ainsley yeah. Maitland-Niles. So, you know, maybe there is something growing from within as well, which would be which would be great and very healthy. And I think everyone would love to see that, that kind of a contingent come through again, um, you know, along alongside some some good quality players uh, that you bring in yeah. from the transfer market. But David, look, um, I, I'm always appreciative of your time. It's been fascinating it's as always. Um, people should check out the piece that you've done with Jaden Sancho and Reese Nelson. It really is very interesting. Uh, and we will uh, we'll catch up with you maybe towards the end of January, see what's happening around that time. Yeah, Absolutely. Thanks, David. Thanks, Andrew. Always a pleasure. Anytime. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. As ever, fantastic to catch up with David. You can find him on Twitter at BBC Sport underscore David. Uh, do check out the piece that he's done with Reese Nelson. It's well worth uh, a read and well worth a watch if you can find the video. And we will try and uh, talk to David again a bit later in the season, perhaps after the uh, January transfer window closes, during which I'm sure Arsenal are going to do lots and lots of exciting business, which will thrill us and uh, help us finish in the top four and win the Europa League. So that's a little bit down the line. We'll deal with that with David uh, after the uh, January transfer window closes. For now, though, I'm going to leave it there because it is an interlull. There's no game this weekend. There's nothing to look forward to, apart, of course, from an Arsecast Extra. Myself and James will be recording over the weekend or early on Monday. Not quite sure when yet, but uh, I'll let you know on the site. Let you know on Twitter, at Arsblog. As ever, thank you very much indeed for listening. It's uh, it's always great to have you along. If you wanted to give us a review or a rating on iTunes, that would be great. It pushes us up the charts and uh, validates our very existence. So if that's something you feel like you could do, feel free. If not, don't worry about it. It's all good. Catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye.
Arsenal Football Club today announced a contribution of £1.2 million to Facebook owner Mark Zuckerberg. This is to acknowledge his contribution to the fact that without Facebook, we wouldn't have so many Facebook likes. Chairman Sir Jibs Keswick said, In completely unrelated news, season ticket prices are going to go up the same percentage amount that's equal to £1.2 million. Like that, suckers. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.